chapter, chapter number 2, verse number 9, and verse number 10. wondering, I got a lot of scripture tonight, I'm wondering if anybody would be willing to help be a reader, if not, I understand, it's okay, <clears throat> all right, that's all right, no worries, and uh, I've got them all here in front of me, but First uh, Peter chapter 2 verse number 9, we're going to read verse 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation. <clears throat> a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Everybody say the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now, have obtained mercy. The people of God have obtained mercy. Amen. Are you thankful for mercy tonight? Amen. Praise God. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight as we begin to break into the word of life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. My God, I thank you for the privilege that we have in this place tonight. God, I'm asking that you would allow the Holy Ghost to fill this house. Lord, let revelation come into this place tonight. God, anoint these lips of clay. Anoint my mind, God, that I would only say what you want me to say today. Lord, I'm asking that you would bind our hearts and our minds together. Lord, let us not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Now, I have 11 pages of notes, and I'm going to teach. I'm going to keep you here until I'm done with them all. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I do have a place I want to get to tonight, and uh, maybe I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm not promising anything, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let the Holy Ghost have his way. But I, I want us to be spoken to from the word of the Lord. And uh, I, I want to cover some things Day that I likely will, I don't, I don't know how long. Uh, we'll get back to Acts, I promise you, eventually. Um, but this is what is stirring in my soul, and this is what I have to follow. Amen. And so here, First Peter chapter two, the apostle Peter starts in verse nine. He said, "You are a chosen generation." Everybody say, "A chosen generation." So we're going to talk on that subject. For a while tonight, we're going to talk about the chosen generation. Amen. To become a part of this chosen generation, to become a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, we first must follow the plan of salvation. Can I get an amen? We must know what it takes to be saved, what the scripture teaches me that I must do to be saved. Salvation itself begins with a thing called faith. Amen. Faith that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus rose again on that third day and, 
And this leads me to, uh, into a process of regeneration through, first of all, the death of repentance and then baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we are regenerated through the Holy Ghost which comes upon us. Amen. We are born again. Thus Jesus referred to it in John chapter 3. Amen. I don't have these scriptures. You can write them down. Amen. You can go back and listen to the recording. Amen. Later on. But, but Jesus told Nicodemus twice in, in John chapter 3, you've got to be born again. And then he said, you've got to be born of water and of spirit in, in verse 5. And then Luke 24, Jesus, is, he enlightened his disciples and he told them, he said, look, you've got to go into Jerusalem and you're going to, you're going to tarry there, amen, but you're also going to preach, you're going to declare repentance and remission of sins in my name, amen, at Jerusalem. And so we've talked about that in, in the study of Acts, how that they did go into Jerusalem and Peter did proclaim Jesus unto the crowd that day and he preached repentance and, Je and he, pre he preached baptism in Jesus' name and he preached uh, the, the, the infilling of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 38. But I want to tell you something. Salvation is not a one-time, one-stop shop. But salvation is something that you have to work upon. It's, it is a process. It is a progressive uh, uh, lifestyle that you begin, uh, amen, you begin. I'm not talking about the liberal lifestyle, all right? Amen. But I'm talking it is a progression. Every day that I live, Sister Rini, I have to take one step closer to the Lord. I need to, I need to get up in the morning and I need to, I need to have one thing on my mind and that is I've got to get closer to Jesus I've got to become more like my Jesus amen salvation is is a process amen it is continuing from day to day amen I'm not saved just because I talked in tongues once I'm not saved because I declared that I believe that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. Amen. I'm not saved because I joined a church somewhere. I'm not saved because I shook a preacher's hand. Amen. I'm not saved even, amen, if I, if I wear the strictest of clothing. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm not saved, amen, even if I'm the best of persons in the entire world. But there is a salvation process. Amen. I've taught it around here before that in order for us to be saved, amen, that, that just tells me, amen, when I know that I'm saved is when I'm looking at my Savior face to face. Amen. When I hear, can I, uh, we were just at that, that uh, men's camp out last week. We played some baseball just to hear the umpire say, safe. Amen. When I hear Jesus say, safe. Amen. Then I know that I'm going to be all right. I know that I've made it all the way home. Amen. And I don't have to worry about life. I don't have to worry about the things that I used to worry about. But I know that I've made it to Jesus' feet. Amen. Salvation. I'm here to tell you, amen, is only completed when we make it to heaven. Amen. In order to obtain complete salvation, we must continually seek to be like Jesus. Amen. Progressively becoming more like Jesus. Amen. To be a Christian simply means to be Christ 
like. And Sister Rini, if I'm going to be Christ-like, what does that mean? I've got to be like him. It's very simple. I know I'm playing on words, but I want us to understand it's a very simple concept. He meant for me to be a Christian, to me, for me to be a follower of Christ, I've got to be like him. Jesus told us there were two ways that men would know that we are his disciples. Do we know what those are? What are they, Brother Mendez? Okay, our love for one another, our love for him, but how do we show our love for him? Obey his commandments. If you love me, he said, keep my commandments. His commandments are not grievous. They're not. They're easy when you love him. Complete salvation is finally achieved once we have made it into our glorified bodies that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to, to be able to see the fulfillment of, of 1 Corinthians 15 up somewhere in the 50s in the verses where it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Amen. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. From start to finish, my salvation, the only way that I'm going to get complete salvation is if I obtain the grace of God. Now, I know that people teach all over this world today that grace is simply God's unmerited favor. Un, uh, un, uh, I say unmerited favor. Some folks, so what does that mean? Well, it just simply means undeserved favor. You, you, you got to understand, yeah, none of us deserve the favor of God. But grace is more than just God's undeserved love towards us. We're all sinners. He loves us all. Why do I, how do I know that? Because he died for every one of us. Jesus is not a respecter, a respecter of persons. He's not prejudiced. He don't care if you're fat, if you're tall, if you're skinny, if you're rich, if you're poor. He don't care what color your skin is. He don't care what your culture was coming up. He, man, he only cares whether or not you love him with all of your heart. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Did you know that God ordained that we walk in the good works that the Holy Ghost does in us and performs through us? Amen. Somebody said, I'm not saved by my works. No, I'm not saved by my works, but I'm saved by his works. Amen. The Holy Ghost begins to do work in me. Amen. And it begins to manifest itself amongst all men. Amen. We cannot produce our own holiness. We cannot produce our own goodness. But we can through the leading of the Holy Ghost, which leads us unto good works. 
Amen. Praise God. We cannot just we cannot produce it on our own. We cannot produce goodness or holiness on our own, but we can obtain it through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We can be partakers of it through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Why are we to be holy? Why are we to grow closer to him? I've taught on it many, many weeks. I think I saw words of 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there, lessons that I taught on holiness. But I want you to understand that there are, God longs for us to be like him. God longs for us to do what he has called us to do. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 10 tells me, for they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, sometimes God chastens us. You understand what it means to be chastened? Corrected, punished. Sometimes God has to punish me because sometimes I deliberately walk away from him. When I come back and we think of punishment as, as some God just waiting for us to do something wrong, I'll submit to you he's not standing up there waiting for you to do something wrong and then pop you over the head and say, hey, you're no good. What do you think you're doing? No, my God is there always encouraging me. My God is there always holding my hand. He's giving me grace to overcome sin. But there are times if I keep repeatedly going back, Sometimes we say, well, God, why did such and such happen in our life? Have you ever had a child, no matter how many times you told them that's hot, that they still touched it? Why did you let them touch him, Sister Rini? Why did you let that happen? But you didn't walk over there and grab their hand and say, hey, come over here. I want to show you what this means. I hope not. But most of the time, Donnie, sometimes these, these kids, their curiosity is going to kill them. They're going to figure out if what mom and dad's telling us is true or not. I have. Not, not with that kind of stuff, but it's just. But the point is, why did you do it? You got them close enough to feel the pain, and you pulled them away. You didn't hurt them. But let me tell you this. God doesn't even do that to us. God will, God will warn us. How does God warn us? He sends a preacher to preach, say, hey, you probably ought not go there. You probably ought not do that. Hey, I, I, I'm warning somebody here today. I'm not, I'm not saying this now, but there have been times that I have been preaching and I, and I say something. I have no idea why I'm saying it. And somebody comes to me later and said, man, I wish I would have listened to what you said Sunday. The other ways that God begins to warn us about things is he'll, he'll, he'll nudge us in our prayer life. And other times he'll show us in the word of God. I've even had it to the place where Brother Blue, I was listening to the music on the radio. And all of a sudden... I felt like God spoke to me from the words that that person was singing. And God's dealing with me about it. 
God does that. He sends little warnings, and he lets us know, hey, that's, that's, that's going to be painful. Be careful. Sometimes this whole boy right here, he's got a hard head, and you can warn him as often as you want to, and I'm still going to go touch it. <laughs> but you know what? When we come back to God, he still loves us. But at the same time, how do you feel when you come back in and you're like, oh, man, I wish I would have listened. Now, how many times? How many times I've went back to the altar saying, God, I know this time, at this point you, you warned me, and then at this point you warned me, and at this point you warned me, but guess what? I didn't listen. And so what happens when the kids don't listen? You have to punish them. You have to get on to them, and there has to be consequences for their actions. And that's how God works with us. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. God wants us to be the best that we can be, but yet he's not going to force us against our will. He's going to say, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. Hey, let me tell you, this is what's going to happen if you go do this. And we're saying, okay, whatever, God. All right. Ouch! And God's saying, hey, I told you not to do that. Now, because you didn't obey, I got to deal with this. And here, here we have in the scripture, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. For he for our profit, he chastened them. He, he got on to them. He dealt with them. And that we might be partakers of his holiness. If I'm going to be holy like he is, I've got to learn how to listen to his voice. Many of you guys have seen that video of the, the little sheep. Some somebody captioned it. This is a true picture of me when when Jesus gets me out of a ditch, and the, they pull that sheep out of the ditch. And as soon as the feet the feet of that sheep hit the ground, that thing starts jumping all over and falls back in the ditch another ten or fifteen feet down the down the road. Y'all never seen that one? Yeah. It, it was the sheep's fault. The shepherd was there pulling him out of the ditch. He was stuck. He couldn't get out of himself. And, and he pulled him out and he set him back on solid ground. And that stupid sheep <laughs> went taken off down the road. And all of a sudden he jumps right back into the ditch. And you know what happened? The shepherd had to go back down the street, pick that joker up. This time he probably didn't just let him go. This time he probably picked him up and took him a ways away from the problem. You know, this is not what I intend to talk about. It's how it happens a lot of times, but I'm going to get back on these notes. But I want you to consider with me. I've read a few different books about different shepherds and how their technique, how the techniques that they used to use back in, in the days of Jesus. And some of them actually still do it to this day there in the Middle East. But they are, one of the things that I have read is that if a sheep wanders off, and the shepherd leaves the fold and goes and finds that sheep that has wandered off. He finds the sheep and they'll pick that sheep up and they'll break his two front legs. And he'll put him up over his shoulder and he'll splint those two front legs and he'll carry that sheep. I know Donnie's looking at me like, why would he do that? 
Now, it's not always the first time that this guy runs off, but if he's a repeat customer and he's constantly running off all the time, the shepherd does that. He splints him back up, puts him around his shoulders, and that shepherd carries that sheep everywhere that he goes because... The reason, the reason that he, the shepherd does this is so that he can bond with that sheep. If he's constantly running away, he's doing it for the sheep's long-term good. Now, that's pretty dramatic. Not all of the shepherds do that. Some of them were like, hey, that's inhumane. I understand that. But I'm just telling you, I'm not saying that, it's, that I'm approving of that. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, sometimes, hey, something worse can happen to you if you run off from the flock. And do you guys know who the shepherd is a depiction of in the scripture? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And you know, sometimes, Sister Eni, when we've run off so many times from the Lord, And we wonder, why does it get harder and harder to come back? And we come back one time, we feel like we're completely broken. Maybe it's just God saying, hey, I need you to come spend some time with me. Why don't you spend some time on my shoulders for a while instead of trying to figure it out for yourself? Hey, it's not easy. And it's not fun to be in trouble. I'm not out of the Bible, folks. These are concepts that the Scripture teaches us. No, it's it's because He loves me. Did you know that if you, the Scripture teaches us, that if you don't discipline your child, the Bible says you hate that child. It doesn't just say you don't love them. He says you hate that child. Those strong words, folks. And so if God is not willing to chasten his children, that tells me that if he expects us to chasten our children, when they get out of line, there are times that God is going to work on us. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to teach of, a, of this, this, again, I've, I've taught this lesson before, another lesson before, and I've, I've said, look, this God that I serve, he's not some old man sitting on a, on a throne somewhere with a billy club in his hand waiting for somebody to mess up. And no good father would want to beat his child up for messing up. But when I find myself astray, when I find my children astray, let me tell you something. I, I, I said this at the men's camp out the other night. We talked about what, what good it is for, for fathers to show us things in life. But also, that this is scripture. The Bible tells us that the fathers should show us things and that the elders should teach us things. Okay? Now, we talked on that subject last Friday night. And as we began to talk, I came to mind one night that my father, I don't know, I was 15, 16 years of age at that point in time. It was dead middle of the summer. We work a lot of hours in concrete doing 
laying, laying, doing all kinds of work because the sun's up. If the sun's up, we're working. And Sister Rini, I was working. I was making money. I was, I was living life. I've never seen that much money in my life at that age. But let me tell you something. It began to control my life. It began to direct what I was doing. In fact, Brother Mendez, I, wouldn't, I would wear myself out working so much that I wouldn't even bother to pray. And then I got, I got fussy with my mom because I'm a big old boy now. I'm making my own money. I don't have to listen to mom. I can smart off to mom. Who's dad? I'm still scared of dad. He's bigger than I am, but, you know, whatever. So I'd, I'd mutter under my breath. No, I'd, I didn't break out cussing. I'm just telling you a bit of my story, right? I'm out there. I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm getting persuaded to, to continue on going on. I'm not, still, still at that point, they, they offered me drugs. I never took them at, even at that age, you know. I, I'm telling you, God was good to me throughout those years. But I'll tell you, one night, my dad walked up to me. No, he didn't walk up to me. I pulled into the driveway. Let me get the story straight. I pulled in the driveway. I was driving one of my boss's diesel pickups. And so he heard me come in. Mom and dad didn't believe in turning the AC on. So they always had the windows open. And uh, I pulled in. And Brother Tuffy, I looked at the front door. and Normally the, 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 the wood door was closed by this time. And I was about 10, almost 11 o'clock at night. We were just finishing some jobs. And I got home. And... and uh, there were two people standing at the front door. And I was like, man, what happened? You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what in the world's going on. At that time, Grandma lived with us and all that stuff. And, and I'm in the house, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming up the, the sidewalk, and Dad opened the door for me. And I'll never forget it. Brother Tuffy, as soon as he opened that door, you got to know my dad, all right? You know how I point my finger when I preach? how my dad talks sometimes. And he's not a preacher, but he opened that door and he said, son, if God were to come back tonight, you'd go to hell. Man, that's pretty rude, isn't it? Well, I hadn't prayed for days. I really didn't want to go to church. Yeah, I hadn't done all this other nasty stuff. I didn't go in doing all this sin and stuff, but I was as far from God as, as any sinner because I wasn't I wouldn't spending time with God. And salvation requires that I have a relationship that progresses from day to day. How many of you have heard me say before, if you're standing still in your relationship with God, you're backsliding. Because God ain't stopped. God's continuing to move forward. If you were an Israelite and you didn't pack up your tent that night, the, the, the cloud or that, that pillar of fire took off, honey, guess what? You got left behind. My dad was right. And he went from, son, you're going to go to hell if you don't get your life right. You got to understand, my dad was that kind of guy. He still is. He don't like to mince words when, when it comes down to serious things. The next thing he did was he reached over and he grabbed my hand. 
He said, but do you want to make it right? I looked at him, and I don't think I made it very far into the house before I started pouring tears down my face. He said, well, let's go pray, son. And we got into the couch, and I'm in the middle. And guess what? I got my dad on the left side, and my mom was on the right. Never forget it. And we prayed that night until I touched heaven again. Brother Tuffy, I'm thankful that somebody was willing to put their finger in my face and say, son, if God were to come back, you wouldn't make it. You say, well, that's harsh, Pastor. No, that was love, my friend. My dad knows I'm a hard-headed fella. And my dad knows how to bump his head up against mine. Thank God for a hard-headed father. <laughs> Thank God for a loving father. I'm not just talking about my dad. I'm talking about him. A father who loves me so much. Yeah, he'll reach down and he'll cuddle me. He'll, he'll, he'll coddle me. But let me tell you something. Sometimes he realizes that coddling and cuddling with, with his children, sometimes they need to feel a little bit of distance. Sometimes they need to allow life. He needs to allow life to come our way. Because sometimes life, like Brother Tuffy said a while ago, is what teaches us best. It's our experience. You know, I don't believe for, for an instance... I'll tell you this much, I don't want my kids to ever have to go through what I've gone through, son. I don't want them to. But there are going to be some things that they are going to have to go through for them to be able to learn it. As much as I want to say, hey, just, just do what I say. Just do what I say. Don't do what I did back then, but do what I'm telling you because I want you to understand it's going to be better for you. No. You know what's even harder, Brother Tuffy, is when life is rough in my kids' lives, is not to rush in there and grab a hold of them. Sometimes they need you to step away. And sometimes in our life, I, here I am again this, this evening, sometimes in our life, we may be dealing with some things, Sister Rini, and we feel like, where in the world is God? He's there. He's not going to let you die. But he's, he's just far enough away from you for you to feel the pain so that I can learn. And I won't ever go back through this again. You know, as, as I'm going to close, Fagan, you want to come. As, as much as this world is trying its best to include everybody as a winner. Even if you didn't do a good job, you didn't put forth an effort, they want to say, oh, everybody gets a trophy. Let me tell you something. God's, God's kingdom's not that way. You're not going to pass grade one if you fail the test at grade one. You're going to go through that test again. And again, and again, man, I've fought this battle before. Well, maybe God is just checking to see if you're going to win it this time.
how it works, folks, sometimes. You know, at work, we have to go through and get these certifications. It helps us get jobs. It helps us helps them realize, hey, this guy really knows what he's doing because Microsoft certifies him to do this, this, and this. And You know, it's coming up now. I, I need to go renew my certification. That means I have to take that same test that I took two years ago. I got to take it all over again. Why? Pretty simple, isn't it? Didn't they have to do that in the union sometimes? You'd have to go recertify. Sometimes in our walk with God, we have to go back and recertify. It's exactly right. And you're like, man, I, I know I've gone through this before. But God's just checking to see, do you remember what you learned the last time? Have you learned how to apply it even better? Let me word it a little bit differently now and ask you the same question. Sometimes life's that way, folks. But do you know why we have to go through these things? So that we can be holy like him. I want to be pure, Brother Mateo, that even when I can stay awake, <laughs> he played hard today. Interrupted a few phone calls today. You know what? Even as frustrated as I as I can get, Sister Rini, with kids being around the house when I'm trying to do work, my wife can tell you I, I get frustrated every once in a while. Brother Mendez, you get frustrated every once in a while. And yeah, I did have to get on to the boys, not just him and Juan, but my son. I had to holler at him a couple times. They were in the other room and they were being loud. Boys, calm down. I'm on a call. And you know what? For a few minutes, <laughs> they calmed down. And then the next thing I hear is somebody screaming and hollering again. And I have to pause my mic again. Boys! I need you to be quiet. I know it's been a long phone call. I know I'm being funny, but sometimes it's that often, Brother Mendez, that God has to remind us, hey, I'm trying to take care of business in your life right now. Why don't you turn down the noise of life and why don't you focus on what I'm trying to tell you? And why don't you obey me? You know what got Saul, King Saul, so upside down with God was because King Saul refused to obey. And then when he was confronted, he said, no, it wasn't me. But those people convinced me that I needed to do it this way. He never took responsibility for his own actions, but he blamed everybody else. You know, I wonder how things would have went in the garden had they not passed the buck. God looked at Adam. You know why God asked Adam first? Because God told Adam. 
face to face. He said, don't eat of that tree. And when God came to Adam, Adam says, well, the woman made me do it. And then the woman didn't take responsibility, and she said, guess what? The snake made me do it. That's our nature. What would happen if we say, God, you know, yeah, I made those decisions, and I messed up. But I want to be more like you. I don't like going through problems. I don't like bad situations. But God, whatever it takes, if I can make it to heaven and I can see you face to face, I'll live through a crazy life if that's what it takes. That's what it takes. I want to see his face. Can we stand tonight? Can we lift our hands and our voices to the Lord? Can we let him know, God, I love you so much. God, I want to be a part of that chosen generation. God, I want to abide in that chosen generation. God, I want you to be well pleased with me in that chosen generation. God, I know I'm not